Amen. We're continuing the series on the Lord's Prayer. Say it with me from the beginning. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Now let's pause right here. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. That's where we're going to pick up today. So if you're watching online, uh, you can chat. We're picking up on give on lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It reminds me of a story. When I was a boy out on the farm, we had, we farmed like 2,000 acres, had a bunch of beef cows and all that. But we, we kept a couple dogs and their names were Prince and the other dog's name was Duke. Well, out in the country, especially at certain times of the year, the coyotes would come really close. And you would look out just past the lights. Dad always had lights on around the house and around the barns. But you'd look out just past the lights and you'd see nothing but red eyes. You'd see nothing but red eyes and you'd hear the, the howling and you'd hear the dogs out there. Well, our two male dogs, Duke and Prince, when they would see that, they would begin to bark and they would whine and they would cry and, and they would run out to the, out in the light real close to these dogs and they'd run back and get by the house and get on the light and then they'd run back a little bit closer, but, but, but they wanted to be that alpha dog. They wanted to be out there with those wild dogs. Those female dogs were out there and they were so desirable that these male dogs were just crying, wanting to get out there, get out there. Well, anyway, one night, Prince went a little too far and he got past the lights and he got out into the darkness. And obviously, after that, we only had one dog and his name was Duke. But isn't that just like this world? This world is a world wide web. In fact, before we can talk about lead us not into temptation, but deliver us, we need to know where temptation comes from. Do you know everything in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it comes not from the Father, but it's in this world. And so we live in a world that's like a web that gets us caught, that gets us entangled. We see things. We want things in our flesh. We want to accumulate things and and have pride in our life. Everything in Scripture... Even when it was Adam and Eve, they saw that the food was good for their flesh. They saw it was good for the flesh. Plus, Adam and Eve wanted to be like God, the pride of life. So you, th- you see these three things, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Even Achan, when they took Jericho, when they took Jericho, God said, don't touch anything in that city. You know, God tells us, don't touch anything in the world. Don't touch stuff out there in the world. But Achan saw the Babylonian garment and he saw all the riches and his flesh wanted that. Plus, he wanted to accumulate. So we see the pride of life. So guys, listen to me. Worldwide web always comes from the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Even Jesus, when he was tempted, it was with the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. So be ready for that. In this world, we're going to have temptation and tribulation, but know where it comes from. That's where temptation comes from. The Bible says, blessed is the one who perseveres under temptation. In your books, it says, having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life. Now, when you're tempted, when you're tempted, nobody, nobody in this room, nobody say that God is tempting me. 
Don't ever say God's tempting me. Because scripture says, and it's in, your, it's in your handouts, God cannot be tempted with evil and he doesn't tempt anybody. But look at this. Here's where temptation comes from. But each person is tempted when he's dragged away by his own evil desires. Some say strong desires, but notice it says, and enticed. And then you notice a conception happens. First, there's a desire, and if you keep your mind on it, you're like our dog Prince that just kept running out and running back and getting just as close as you can. That, that is like enticing that desire. So, so we got to be careful not to let desire be conceived with enticement because that's when it gets full grown and it brings bad things to your life. Does anybody out there say amen? How many say that we're all tempted? We got to shut that temptation off, okay? Lord, deliver me. So we're saying lead us not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. You know, there's an enemy that's here to kill, steal, and destroy you. How many believe that? The word says to be alert. Your enemy, and then it calls it the devil. It says he prowls or he crouches around. He's looking for people that he can devour. He's looking for people that aren't paying attention. He looks for the weak and the isolated. You know, the scripture says, don't ever forget what the Amalekites did to you, Israel, when you came out with Moses. Remember when they came out with Moses? It says, the the Bible says that, that the people that were exhausted and weary, that the Amalekites, they came in and they hit them in the back because they got separated. So in temptation, when we're being tempted, the enemy's looking for the people that's exhausted. He's looking for the people. Hey, you know one of the first things that happens with temptation? You, start, you stop coming to church. You isolate. You're the one the enemy's looking for. He's looking for the isolated. He's looking for the exhausted. He's looking for those. And he prowls and he catches them. He watches because he knows our end is there. If you can go through your book, you can see all this stuff. He's an accuser of the brethren. He tries to destroy our faith. But we're saying, Lord, lead me not in temptation. So we know that God doesn't lead us into that. We're led into temptation when we're dragged away by our own desires and we don't put it out, but we entice it and we keep fiddling around with it. And it kind of leads to a lot of trouble, if you know what I mean. But the Lord will deliver you from evil. Look at that part in your book. It says, submit yourselves to God. If you'll submit yourself or your will to God, you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. James 4, 7, resist him. Stand firm in the faith. I'm telling you that the Lord delivers me. The Lord delivers me, 2 Samuel 22. I'm not going to name all these scriptures, but about 90% of what I'm going to say today is straight scripture because we're talking about prayer. The Lord deliver me from my enemies. He holds me safe beyond the reach of my enemies. He saves me every time from my violent opponents. Can somebody say amen? The Lord delivers me in my persecutions, in my sufferings. The word says that are happening unto me. I can endure these troubles. I can endure these persecutions. Why? Because the Lord delivers me. Everybody say from them all. From them all. Lead me not in temptation, but deliver me. The word says that he delivers us from all of them. The Lord delivers me from every satanic setup, every satanic trap. Did you know that the enemy puts traps and setups right in front of you? But I want you to know today that the word of God says that no temptation or no satanic setup, no trap has overtaken you that's common unto all men. 
You know, sometimes the enemy will make you get discouraged thinking you're the only one that struggles with that. You call you're a Christian and you go to church and you what? Hey, don't let the enemy lie to you like that. There's nothing, there's no temptation that's not common onto everybody. You look at me and you think I'm all perfect. I probably deal with some of the same things you do. Somebody say amen. And let's don't ever judge and look down our noses at people because we all deal with the same things. So it's common to all of us. But God is faithful. Somebody say God delivers me every time. Come on. He is faithful. Everybody say faithful. He's faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able. But with your temptation... He will provide the way of escape. Somebody say he provides a way out. He provides a way out. I always say, God, let me take your out. Let me take your out. Even this past week, I was being tempted and I saw a clear door out. And I didn't choose it. I knowingly didn't choose it. Anybody out there say amen. Lord, somebody say this, say this, chat, write it in your chat. Lord, help me to take your out. Say it. Lord, help me to take your out. Help me to take the exit. I remember when Carmen and I went to Mackinac Island this year, um, we, we wanted to go across and, 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 and we went across and we came back. But anyway, the, I missed the exit. I missed the exit in Mackinac City and it shot me clear across Mackinac, uh, uh, Michigan, Lake Michigan. It shot me clear across. I not, I, I, it, it took a whole bunch of time and it took eight more dollars of toll because I missed the out. I missed that out. Uh, it, it, it took me longer and then there was road construction. And so you're waiting another 15 minutes for road construction. How many hate road construction when you're trying to get somewhere? Come on, we're trying to go somewhere. So when I, when I didn't take, when I missed the exit and I didn't take that way out, it took longer. God had to do some more construction in me and it cost me more than I want to give. Somebody say amen. Say, let's don't miss that way out. Come on, I'll take that way out. When God opens that way, it says every time he will. I'm excited. Huh? Amen. I'm excited about this. So. Lord, lead me not in temptation, but deliver me from evil. Now we're going to talk about life's not a game. It's a war. God has dressed us for battle. And Ephesians 6 is how we're going to close out today's sermon. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers. Look at this. Against rulers, against authorities, against powers of the dark world. And against the spirituals of evil in heavenly places. When you read that in the, in the first you got to realize and understand that there's a double kingdom mentality when you're praying. When, 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 when it says that, that there's three kingdoms, there's three heavens. Paul said, if there wasn't three heavens, then Paul, Paul said I was carried away to the third heaven. So there's three kingdoms. There's a kingdom here on this earth. And then there's a kingdom that's in between heaven and earth, and that's the heavenly realm. Well, in this earth, we're talking about being delivered from evil. In this earth, God has given the Christian 
How many is born again? He's given you dominion and authority in the earth. So in the earth, there are powers, principalities, and rulers of darkness in the earth. Okay, you deal with that through prayer. So, so you, can, you have authority and power and dominion to where you can rebuke, you can bind in the earth demonic things, lead me not into temptation in the earth, but deliver me from evil. But know that you're partnering with God and he's doing something on the other side in the heavenlies where spiritual wickedness is. And then you meet in the middle with victory. We see that with Daniel chapter 10. In Daniel chapter 10, he prayed 21 days and he thought God wasn't answering his prayer. He prayed 21 days, Lord's not answering me. And all of a sudden, an, an angel came to me and, and said, Daniel, I pray, you prayed, I heard you on the very first day. But what happened is I sent the answer back from the third heaven and it got, it got stopped in the second heaven. It got stopped in the second heaven. There was a war with the prince of Persia in the second heaven, okay? And he said, I had to send Michael, my strongest angel, to go fight that war in the unseen world so that your answer could come. Now, there was a prince of Persia in the spiritual wickedness that held up that prayer. But guys, he was also praying about a prince of Persia that was a physical king on the earth. His problem was with the king of Persia, with the oppression to the to Israelites. So they were suffering, but Daniel, I'm telling you, you have dominion in this earth. Daniel got on his knees and prayed, lead me not into temptation, but delivered me from evil. I want you to know when you're doing that, that you're partnering with God and you're establishing his reign and his dominion in the earth and you are defeating through God powers, prince of powers, and rulers of darkness on this earth, but God's defeating a spiritual wickedness and you're meeting in the middle and somebody say, I'm being delivered. You need to know that when you pray. The biggest thing about prayer is understanding. Understanding who you are, what's going on. So, that when, so, so, so I want you to realize that this is not a flesh and blood war. It's a spiritual war. And if it's a spiritual war, you need to be dressed spiritually. People are running into a spiritual battle every day and they do not have their spiritual armor on. They're running in naked. They don't have the helmet on. They don't have the breastplate on. They are not dressed for spiritual battle. I tried to show you a scripture that there's spiritual battle going on that we don't even know about and we need to be in partner with God to establish his will in the earth. That's what prayer is. Prayer is using your mouth to do that. So Paul said, put on the full armor of God. So we're going to look at the full armor of God so that you can stand in the day of evil. So that you can stand your ground, verse 13 says, in the day of evil. So gird my waist with truth. I'm just going to go through this. This is in your books. But this is how we pray. Lord, I put on the full armor of God today. Lord, you gird my loins with truth. Jesus is the truth that sets me free. My loins are girded. I know the truth, Jesus, somebody say Jesus, and the truth sets me free. The Bible says that we are a spiritual house that's being built up. So scripture upon scripture, line upon line, 
there's a house being built and Jesus is the chief cornerstone. So when you gird your loins with truth, what you're doing is you're applying scripture, you're applying word, they're like bricks. And then you're putting some more mortar. Then you're getting another brick and you're putting it on your building. And your building begins to form a, a wall. That is girding your loins with truth. That is putting the truth of God's word in your heart. Line upon line, all this is in your book, precept upon precept. I know truth, Jesus. I see truth, and that truth is setting me free. Because a warrior with his loins girded with truth, it means that he pulls his skirt up so he can run. And if you need to run in battle, and you're entangled with your skirt, to gird your loins means that you pull your skirt up and you're not entangled, you can run. You will know truth, line upon line, scripture upon scripture. Can I say you're getting free? Some of you are getting free. Some of you are getting further. You're getting stronger. You're putting truth in. You're knowing truth and it's setting you free and you're growing and you're growing and you're growing. So I, I, I gird my loins with truth, and then I put on the breastplate of righteousness. Romans 13, 14 says, I put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, you are, say this with me, Jesus, you are my righteousness. You are my righteousness. The breastplate guards your heart. You are my righteousness. And the way you get righteousness is not by your works, but by your faith. Come on. You can't work up righteousness. You will never be righteous enough. You will never be perfect enough. You will never be able to do it right enough. Righteousness is by faith. And that's why I put that scripture in. It says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. So righteousness comes where you believe in the great exchange. You believe that God took my sin. So when you're putting on the shield, the, the breastplate of the righteousness, you're saying, Lord, I believe you took my sin and gave me your righteousness. I'm righteous. My heart is protected. The most important place is your heart. The passion for life and Christian living. This is all in your books. The, the passion for life. Anybody of you ever say my passion meter's low? The passion for life and Christian living comes from your heart. Even when I'm doing, you can have, even when we do gifts tests, you can have abilities to do something, natural abilities. You can have spiritual gifts to do stuff. But if you don't have heart and passion, you're not gonna do any of it. You gotta guard your passion. You gotta guard your heart. I always say, Lord, guard my passion, guard my heart. On the last day when Jesus cried at the fest festival, he said, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For out of your belly shall flow a river, a river of living water. Your spiritual life, your passion comes from your heart. That's why you got to put the breastplate on. My feet shod with preparation of readiness. When I pray that, I always go, Lord, my feet are shod with readiness. I'm ready to go today, Lord. What do you want to do? My life is yours. Tell me where you want to go. Tell me what you want to say. Tell me what you want to do. 
All this is in your book. Lots of scriptures. There's a to-do list that God needs me to do today. When I'm intimidated or scared or fearful, I hit my feet and say, I'm ready. I'm ready to run courageously to the battle. I'm ready to run boldly to the battle. My feet are shod. My feet are shod. My feet are ready to go and take this gospel to the world. Amen. And there's a whole bunch on that. You guys can read. I'm courageous. I'm ready. Oh, I love that number three in your books where the word became flesh. How many know that Jesus is the word? Well, the word became flesh. So what you read, Jesus became it in flesh and blood. In 2 Corinthians 3, Paul said, I'm not sending you a letter of recommendation. My recommendation's all around you. The people that I've won to the Lord, look at their life and see if that's not a recommendation of. They're living Jesus. They're living Jesus. Jesus was the word made flesh. When you run out to battle, let's take the word and make it flesh. Let's take God as joy, God as peace, God as love, and let's put that in a fleshly body, and let's love some people. Let's bring peace to some, so that's kind of what that means. And then it says, I hold up the shield of faith. I hold up the shield of faith. I love when David says in Psalms 3, the shield of faith quenches the fiery darts of the enemy. In other words, guys, we're gonna have, we're gonna have crap thrown at us every day. We're gonna have stuff thrown at us. They're like fiery darts. They're being thrown at us, and we're quenching them. But what we quench it with is our faith in God and His Word. You all with me? You you, you quench it with faith of God in in His Word. David said this in Psalms 3. He said, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? How many of you ever feel like your troubles increase? Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many there be which rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there ain't no help for you in God. How many ever feel that? Man, my troubles are increased. People say you got no hope. Your soul's your mind, will, and your intellect. So in your mind, you find yourself drifting off and just in la-la land. And you're listening to your soulish realm telling you about all your troubles and everything. So, so you're surrounded. But then David says, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. Thou, O Lord, art a shield when, when you're surrounded, when that's, people are saying you're never going to make it, you're never going to be anything, when your soul is telling you you're never going to make it, you're never going to be anything, somebody raise that shield of faith up. Anybody out there, raise that shield of faith up. It quenches the fiery darts. Now notice in your teaching, there's a scripture that says John 3, 14. It says, and Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness so that the son of man be lifted up. And then it goes on and says, if Christ be lifted up on that pole, that snake in the wilderness, it'll draw men unto thee. Here's what was going on. Under this preface, sometimes, listen, sometimes a poisonous dart is going to get through. What do I do when I don't block one and that dart hits me and now I'm delirious? Think about a snake bite, how you get delirious and its venom begins to go through your body. That's the same way when a dart of the enemy gets through. Well, what was happening is the people were speaking against Moses. They were saying, God, we don't like what you're feeding us and all this stuff. Well, a bunch of snakes 
in, De- in Numbers 21, a bunch of snakes came out and bit the complainers and all those people. And they were dying. So Moses went and he, listen, he erected a bronze snake, made it out of bronze. And the Bible says that when the people looked at that snake, that bronze snake, they were healed. That's symbolic of Jesus Christ. The reason it wasn't just a, they, the reason they just didn't go kill a snake and put a, lie, a dead snake on a pole is because Jesus is not a snake. He was without sin. Anybody out there? He knew no sin. He was not sin. But Jesus became that bronze serpent on the pole. He became your sin and my sin. He, he became my sin on that cross. And all the judgment and the wrath and all that went on Jesus. And so when, when Jesus was that bronze snake lifted up, bearing our sin, that when we as people look to Jesus, we are healed. So, if a poisonous dart gets through and venom's, hit, venom's hitting you, you've been disobedient, you've screwed up things in your life, don't give up. Tell the Lord you're sorry. And then look to him. Look to him and he will heal you every time. Come on, give him a hand. He will heal you every time. Every time. So then we put on the helmet of salvation. The helmet makes you mentally dominant. The helmet makes you mentally dominant. I say, Lord, I put on the helmet of salvation. I hold your thoughts. I hold your feelings. I hold your vision. I understand the word like you understand the word. You reveal your word to me just like you revealed it to Paul. I say this stuff to me. It's all in your writings there, the helmet of salvation. Lord, I put the helmet of salvation because it protects me from being dominated by the mind of the flesh. Look at that scripture. Those who's dominated by the sinful nature, they think about sinful things. But those that are controlled by the Spirit, they think about things that honor or please the Spirit. Lord, I put the helmet on and I will guard my thoughts. Philippians 4 says what thoughts are honorable and pure and delightful and truthful and happy. I'm going to have these thoughts. Thoughts that give you praise. Lord, I don't let my mind be conformed to this world, but today I put on the helmet of salvation. Transform my mind by the renewing of your word. Are y'all with me? So you're putting on the helmet of protection. And then you take the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is the word of God. We always think of the sword as a sword. One day when I was praying about the sword of the Spirit, I didn't see the sword in the hand. I saw it coming out of the mouth. Because the sword is the word. Even in Revelation, it says that out of the mouth of Jesus came a sharp two-edged sword. In other words, our, our mouths, the words that come out of our mouths, they are a sword. They're a sword for either good or they're a sword for evil. But here's what I want you to get. Every day I pray this. I say, Lord, your word, there's about five scriptures that say this. I say, Lord, your word says that your word is written in my heart and it's written on my mind. How many know the scripture says that? 
Word's written on my heart. It's written on my mind. And so I say, Lord, your word's in my heart and it's on my mind. And then there's another scripture that says, and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if I'm filling my heart with the word of God and the teachings of Christ and the teachings, if I'm filling that full, I'm like an olive being pressed. That when I'm pressed, when I'm under trial, when I'm under tribulation, cursing and wrath isn't going to come out of my mouth unless cursing and wrath is what you're putting in your heart. But if I'm putting in my heart the word of God that's written on my heart and my mind, when I'm squeezed, when I'm pressed, his word's going to come out of my heart. His word's going to, that needs to be a goal. That your word comes out of my heart when I'm pressed, when I'm squeezed. So you see a couple of scriptures there. It talks about how it's written on your mind and your heart. But I like this Luke 6, 45. Look at this. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. Everybody say heart. An evil man brings or talks evil things out of the evil that's stored up in his what? Heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Fill your heart with the word. Fill your heart with the, the, the teachings of the word. Amen. For out of your mouth. And then, and then you see these other scriptures. There's one place where Paul said, how can cursing and blessing come out of the same well? You can't have fresh water and salt water out of the same thing. You guys come to church and bless God with your mouth, but you get outside and you curse your, your neighbor who's made in the very same image of God. You, you bless, oh, I love you, God. Oh, praise you, Jesus. I hear that so wonderful. And then you get outside and you curse somebody that's made in God's image. Paul said this ought not be so. This should not be so. So out of our heart, I pray, man, let it. And then look at this, Matthew eleven twenty four, 24. On that teaching about your authority, um, I have the faith of God to speak to mountains. The words in my heart, and I can speak to my circumstances that they will not lord over me. Look at this scripture. Jesus said, have faith in God. If you read that in the original, it literally means this, have the faith of God. Somebody out there say, have the faith of God. Have God-like faith. Have God-like faith, and you can speak to your mountains. Remember that authority I talked to you about that you have in the earth, and then God has it in the heavenlies? And then you meet in the middle and you're partners with God. Don't, don't sit and talk about your trial and your tribulation. Don't get up and woe is me and get on your fiddle and play all this stuff and not say a dogged thing what the, what the word says. Look at your mountain and say, I speak to my mountain. Ask, ask this brother right here and this woman right here if they can't speak to their mountain that their marriage is restored. I speak to my mountain that my kids will follow Christ. And that I speak to that financial situation that the Lord will provide all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Speak to your mountain and tell it to get out of your life. Get out of your living. Speak to your mountain. Out of your, wor- out of your mouth. Out of your mouth. Now, in your books, 
I wrote my faith declarations down. It's about two pages. At the end of this teaching, those are things you can speak. We're trying to teach you how to pray. Those are some things. I put my personal faith declarations. Lord, I love you with all my heart, all my soul, and all my mind, with all my strength. I choose to love people as I want to be loved. That's a making a faith declaration, okay? Out of my mouth. Lastly, as the team's coming. And finally, here's what I want you to notice on the armor. Everybody's always like, oh, I got my helmet on. I got all this stuff. I'm, I'm ready now. No. In the original translation of this scripture, there's a semi, semicolon. After it says, uh, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, it doesn't say period. We're not finished with the armor yet. And you don't hear this in most teachings on the armor. We're not finished yet. It, there's a semicolon. And then it says, always praying. Everybody say this, in the spirit. Say it with me. Always praying in the spirit. Say praying in the spirit. Say that again. Say praying in the spirit. On all occasions, and here's the key, with all kinds of prayer. You mean there's different kinds of prayer? Yeah. Guys, I'm telling you, don't get in the bondage of thinking you have to pray the whole Lord's Prayer first thing in the morning. Yesterday, I only got to our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's been about 30 minutes there and my time was out. I had birthday parties and stuff I had to go to. But every second, I have a point through the day. Paul says pray without ceasing. That, that helps you keep your mind. Remember where you left off in the Lord's Prayer and just pick it up. Just pick it up. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Lord, I thank you. You're established later in the day. Give us this day our daily bread. Okay, are you all with me? So pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer requests. Pray all day long. Pray without ceasing. So we pray without ceasing. Notice this. It says all kinds of prayer. Guys, there's a prayer in the Spirit. And there's also a prayer of the natural. It's very clear in Scripture. If you really want to learn about that, it's 1 Corinthians 14. Clear as a bell. Clear as a bell. 1 Corinthians 14. Read the whole chapter. But it talks about two kinds of prayer. In the spirit and in the natural. Paul even said in 14 and 15, he said, if I pray in tongues, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So what's the conclusion? He says, I'll pray with the spirit or in the spirit, but I'll also pray with the understanding. Guys, there's prayer that you understand and prayers you don't understand. You can read. Meaning, the prayers in the Spirit, that's a language between you and God that nobody else can understand. Read 1 Corinthians 14. The reason I emphasize this, because I'm telling you how big it was for me in my faith walk, is when I learned about praying in the Spirit. And I'm a Methodist. I learned about praying in the Spirit. I learned that I can pray in the understanding, but I can also pray without the understanding. So what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? 1 Corinthians 14, 2 says this, He who speaks in tongues does not speak to men. If I got up here and just started speaking in tongues, it's not helping any of you guys because it's not interpreted. In fact, the Bible says when you come in an assembly like this, if you speak in tongues and it's not interpreted, keep it between you and God. He said, don't, don't not do it, but just 
you can monitor that. Keep it between you and God. Because at church, we want people to be edified. Edification comes through prophecy, comes through revelation, comes through that. If everybody, what if I just got up here and started speaking in a language you didn't know? How many would say, boy, that'd help a lot. I ain't coming next week. So, so don't do that, but yet do it. Pray in the Spirit. When your understanding is unfruitful, pray in the Spirit. Um, because the Word says this. He who speaks in a tongue, he doesn't speak to men, but he's speaking to God. For no one understands him, however, he's speaking in the Spirit. He speaks mysteries. So when Paul said, pray in the Spirit, with all different kinds of prayers, it means pray in the natural. It also means pray in, a, in the Spirit in words you don't know. And then there's some more scriptures there on that. If you desire to be filled with the Spirit to where you have that language, just ask the Lord. I remember when I wanted that, I just asked Him, and He gave it to me. I was on a pond dam, hanging out with my sheep, believe it or not, on the farm. I remember when the Holy Spirit filled me in that way for the first time. It's been wonderful ever since, but I believe that's part of the armor of God today. Let's stand to our feet today.